We're in a series of messages, and the messages are called Scatter, and we're talking about gathering and scattering as we have done for a long time, and we're focusing now for the next few weeks on this scattering part of that. And last week we, we talked about a difficult word, a word that kind of gives us the heebie-jeebies, a word that kind of like probably for some of us maybe like fingernails on a blackboard. It's the word evangelism. And that's a scary word for some people. But we defined evangelism in a, in a very special way last week to hopefully broaden the definition of evangelism for you. And, and, and last week we said that evangelism is anything that is done intentionally to move people closer to the decision of following Christ. Anything that is done intentionally that moves people closer. And we showed you that big Engel scale. And if you weren't here, you're not knowing what I talk about. But no one just accepts Christ in a vacuum. There's, there's a place, step by step, people come to that point of decision. That point where they cross the line of faith. But they have to take lots of steps toward God uh, before then, and anything we do from the human perspective that helps people, whether that would be inviting them to church, whether that be taking over them a peanut butter cake, whether that would be sharing a, a, a testimony with them, whatever that may be, uh, whether that just be hanging out with them so they have some Christian uh, influence in their life, all of that could be steps. Giving them a book, giving them a DVD, all of those could be steps. Anything that has been done intentionally that moves people closer to the decision of becoming a believer. Closer to the decision of following Christ. And we said last week that one of the biggest things that helps us to scatter is for us to see, things, see ourselves as God sees us. And I said, this is really difficult for us. And it was difficult, um, it's difficult for me to totally grasp what God says about me in this scripture, I've told you before that my president at Asbury Seminary says you've got to believe what God says about you no matter how good it is. Because he says you, yes you, are the salt of the world. The light of the world. And we focused on a scripture that has another part of your identity, our identity, that if you are a believer, this is not a special class of believers. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20 says, if you are in Christ, therefore you are Christ's ambassadors. And we talked about that. And I talked to a few people out of the service, outside the service, and they were honest with me, told me something I already know. They said, Pastor, I have difficulty seeing myself as an ambassador of Christ. And I said, I bet you don't have any difficulty seeing me that way, do you? And he says, no, I'm a believer. I'm a believer with a special call on my life, but I am no less an ambassador than the Bible says you are. And the challenge for me and the challenge for you is to believe what God's Word says about you, no matter how good it is. And he calls you an ambassador. He has given you an ambassadorship along the sphere of influence that you have around you in some way. And I challenged you last week to, to scatter as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. I challenged you last week to be able to see yourself as God sees you. And, if I, and I ask you and challenge you and put it to you pretty directly, if you don't see yourself as God sees you, you are not believing God. You see, believing God is what matters. Believing in God doesn't help you a bit. Because James 2.18 says the devils believe in God. See, it's believing God that helps you. 
It's taking him at his word that helps you. And if he says this about you or says that about you or says that about you, believing him, the Bible says Abraham believed God and God counted that as righteousness. It doesn't say Abraham believed in God. It says Abraham believed God. There's a whole lot of people that believe in God. The people that, 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 that killed X amount of people in Paris, France, they believed in God. But it's taking God at his word. It's believing him. And that's the hard part. That's the hard part. And he says lots of things about us that are pretty extraordinary. And he says for me and he says for you that you are ambassador of Christ. And I just think if you see yourselves as an ambassador, you'll walk out of here a little bit differently. If you see yourself as God sees you, you will walk out of here differently. And that has a a lot to do with a lot of different characteristics. If your identity is in Jesus Christ, that would take care of a whole lot of issues. Because my my problem is my identity sometimes is in other people and what they think of me. And and I, 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 I struggle to please them instead of pleasing him. And if we all are honest, we all would say, say the same thing. Our husband's identity can be in our wives, and our wives' identity can, can be in our, our husbands, and our, our, our mother's identity can be in their kids, and father's identity can be in their kids' athletic exploits. And Man, we could go deep into that subject, and maybe we will one day. It causes a lot of problems in our lives. My challenge last week was for you to see yourself as God sees you and for you to believe him. And not say, well, that's, that's maybe for Greg, or that's maybe for, for Brian, or, or you know, maybe that's for Chuck or John. That's not for me. No, no, no. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, anyone, if anyone be in Christ. So we, we talked about, when we're talking about scattering, we're talking about the, 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 the difference that we make in people's life as, as, as trying to move them closer to the decision of accepting Christ. That's what we're talking about. You can scatter good as a husband. You can scatter good as an employee. All that's part of scattering. But we're especially talking about this evangelism thing. And I, let me introduce another difficult word for you this morning that, that, that freaks us out. And we don't like it when preachers bear down on this. But it's the word witnessing. Okay, let's just, let's just lay the cards on the table. And that word makes us uncomfortable. But there's no reason that word should make us uncomfortable. Jesus, one of the last things Jesus said to his disciples is, go and be my witnesses. And so that's where that word comes from. But witnessing is nothing more than telling someone what God has done for you. That's all witnessing is. And everyone in this room would have a different story on that. Don't get all freaked out about witnessing and think I've got to know this and got to know that and I've got to know the Bible from front to back. No, witnessing is nothing more than giving your witness on what God has done for you. That's all that it is. That's absolutely all that it is. And anyone that's told you that it's anything more than that is making something out of it that it's not. When you bear your witness, when you give your witness, you're saying, I am testifying. Just like in a court, you're saying what has been done. I'm testifying what God has done for my life. Now that's kind of hard because I've been living 56 years and I've been a Christian for for 19 of those. And there's a whole lot of things God has done for 19 19 years of my life. And a lot of you have got a lot more years that God has done things for your life. So how do you you boil that down? How do you 
communicate that in, in, in a way that just doesn't confuse people because of 20 and 30 and 40 years of Christian living. Paul gives us an example of that. Paul gives us an example of that. Do you have your Bible? Would you open it to the book of Acts? And if you don't have a Bible, there are ones close to the door. And would you open up to the 26th chapter of Acts? And in the 26th chapter of Acts, Paul is standing and giving his witness. And as he stands and gives his witness, he tells us how to boil our witness down. And so how do you boil 19 years of Christian living or how do you boil 39 years of Christian living down into a two- or three-minute testimony? That's pretty hard. Paul gives us a clue. I'm trying to tell you this morning, as you scatter and as you and an ambassador, one of the important things you can do is give a witness. And giving a witness is nothing more than telling what God has done for you in your life. It's giving a testimony. Okay, and where that testimony needs to be given is among the people that need to hear and be encouraged by that testimony. And how to give that in a short, succinct way so you won't bore people to death or you, don't, or you communicate poorly is really, really important. Paul gives us a clue. Acts chapter 26. Paul saying, as he's standing before King Agrippa and basically giving his t- witness and giving his testimony. The Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child, from the beginnings of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that I conform to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did. In Jerusalem, on the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished and tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. When you give your testimony, you need to follow the example of Paul. Because what's Paul doing? He's telling a little bit about his life before Christ. He's telling a little bit about his life. Now, there's a whole lot of his life before Christ, right? But as he stands before King Agrippa, tries to be a good communicator, tries not to bore King Agrippa, tries not to get him lost in all the minutiae details of all the things that happened in the Apostle Paul's life, before Christ, he just gives him the highlights and he says, this is what happened to me before Christ. And friends, as we bear our witness, as we give our testimony, remember, it starts with my life before Christ. And that may be one minute, that may be 30 seconds. Well, I I was raised in a Christian home, but I didn't really want anything to do with that. And and I, I went away from that at a very, very early age. And, and I, I lived for myself. I wanted to be a basketball coach. I wanted to be a really important person. And I didn't see anything that Jesus had to do with that. And so I went my own way for 34 years of my life. Stop. Now, that, that covers birth to 34. <laughs> but that's a short example of my life before Christ. And if I'm going to tell somebody something, I can't tell them everything that happened in the 34 years I lived before I came to Jesus. It'll take forever and bore them to death. But I've got to be able to boil that succinctly down, and Paul does that. We heard someone else that, that did that at Manly Monday this, this past Monday night. And, and I, 
I don't know if this person has read Acts 26 or not, but he follows the exact same template that Paul uses in Acts 26. Let's hear a little bit on this video of this person's life before Christ. And this whole video, the whole purpose of this video is to give his testimony. That's the whole purpose of that. Okay? So let's just hear a few minutes of his life before Christ. Can we have that, Katie? You saw where I grew up. The time period would have been in the 1950s, but if you saw it, you would have thought it was 1850. Log house, milk cow, plow horse, no bathtub, no commode. I never heard anyone say we were poor. Not once. No one ever said, man, we are really up against it here. I wonder why somebody doesn't bail us out. <laughs> no. Bill started school and we were so poor. So in love, but so poor. Baby on the way. Actually, Alan was born, I was 17 years old, and Phil was 18 years old. So we were basically two kids with a kid. But you have to grow up, and you do. That's what you do. I started seeing the change in Phil, and this really came when he started spending a lot of time with the football team. Parties in college, you know. It was the 60s. What I saw was Phil, who had never drank before, started drinking. And what happened with me was it was scary to me. Jason was born. So thrilled about another boy. Phil was happier than ever. Unfortunately, the drinking got worse. He would be mad and just be in and out like a flash. And I knew then, but I didn't want to believe it, was running around on me. Probably smoking dope, other things, pills he took, things like that. It was just all new to me, the whole thing. I owned a beer joint when some guy came in with a Bible and he wanted to introduce me to Jesus. I ran him away. I said, get out of here. I'd take another drink. Then we have our new baby, Willie Jess. So there I was, a barmaid who doesn't drink and had three little boys. I've been fighting for this marriage for a long time, and it's not working. But what went on next was horrible. It was like the nightmare of my life. I got in a big bar room brawl. The laws got after me. I went to the woods, of course, and uh, hid out. Phil came to me and said, I probably won't surface for two or three months. Do the best you can with what's left here. And he was gone. He became more and more mean and mean-spirited. And what I would tell my boys all the time is, that's not your daddy. That's the devil in your daddy. I would say the low point 
It's when I ran Miss Kay and the kids off. You're all alone, no hope, miserable. That's when I began to serious contemplate. Is there a way out of all this? Okay. Oh, when you give your testimony, it doesn't have to be like three minutes and 30 seconds of a life before Christ. It could be like 30 seconds that I did a life before Christ. Some of you, were, Sue was, was saved at like a very young age, five or six years of age, and she doesn't have a whole lot to say other than the fact, you know, I was raised in a Christian home and, and I ran Christian parents, but, you know, I knew at a very young age, you know, that, that, that I didn't have Jesus in my life. And one night beside my bed, my mom led me to the Lord. And, and it, it may not be anything like that. And I hope you don't, I've heard some people say, boy, I wish I had a testimony like you, dad. No, you don't either. You don't want to have that kind of life to tell about. Some of you need to praise God that he kept you from some of that. But as you bear your witness, as you share your witness, as you go witnessing, and that doesn't mean go knocking on doors with cold calls. It could mean that, but it's, it's much more natural and relational with that. You tell what Jesus has done for you, and, and you start with your life before Christ. Can I tell you, friend, if you're a Christian here today, you just didn't all of a sudden assimilate yourself into the faith. You just didn't grow into a Christian. You weren't born a Christian. It may have happened very young at your age, but there has to have been a time and a place you made a decision to become a Christian. And you may not totally remember that because it could have been very young, but wow. I wonder how many people in church today, this church and other people, have been coming to church for years and years and years and years, and they've never, ever crossed that line of decision. They just kind of growed into it, and I wonder if you, do you really just grow into it? Acts chapter 26, verse 12, Paul continues in his testimony. Paul says on one of these journeys, what were one of the journeys when he was trying to persecute Christians? That was his before life, right? On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Is it hard for you to kick against the, it is hard for you to kick against the goads? Then I ask, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. There comes a time. You got a time before Christ? There comes a time when Jesus comes into your life. You know what? I don't think any of our times are going to be like that. <laughs> I've never met a person that got knocked off his horse, okay? Maybe I'll meet him tomorrow. But there's a time. There's a time. Something happened. You started going to church. I started hearing the messages. The spirit started wooing on me. Or whatever. There comes a time. There is a time you are not born again. And then there is a time you are born again. There is a time you receive Jesus. You accept Jesus. You get converted. You get saved. Whatever type of terminology that you want to put on it. There's a time that you made a decision to follow Jesus. It may have come with fireworks and lights and tears at an altar, or it may not have been anything at all like that. 
It may have just been that you got up out of your seat after a sermon one morning and decided you were going to follow Jesus. But there comes a time when that happens. Let's hear about Phil's time right now. Katie. So I came to Miss Kay, and she said, you know the guy that came up there to the beer joint at that time and wanted to talk with you? I said, yeah. And you ran him off? I said, yeah. Why don't you sit down with him and, and just see what he has to say? So I sat down with this guy. He said, Phil, what do you think the gospel is? And I said, I don't know, gospel music on the radio or something like that. He said, you don't even know what it is. I said, I don't guess I do. I didn't even know what the gospel of Jesus was. So when he went through Jesus coming down in flesh through a little virgin girl, Mary, dying on a cross, being buried and raised from the dead, I'm like, how in the world did I ever miss that? I had missed it. I was blown away when I heard that Jesus died for me, was buried and raised from the dead. Something so, it is simple but profound that happened back there almost 2,000 years ago. I had never heard it. When we came back home, I think there was a note that said they had gone to the church building. So we headed in there, and when we got into the auditorium, I just stopped because there he was up in the baptistry with a man. And the boys all stopped, and they were on each side of me. And I remember just looking at them, and he was, I heard Phil say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to follow him from this day forward. And I looked down at each one of the boys. Tears were rolling down their eyes. Even three-year-old, three-and-a-half-year-old Willie Jess, big tears were coming down. And the next thing I knew, he was baptized. And I come up, and the boys started hollering and singing, jumping all over the place. And they said, my daddy, my daddy saved, my daddy saved, my daddy saved. They were so happy. And it was the, it was the complete family then. I said, I'm fixing to hang another gear, and I'm turning from my sinful past, and I am fixing to make a valiant attempt to be good. I said, I've never tried it before. I told the guy when he studied with me, he said, just love God and love your neighbor. And try to be good. I'm like, I've never tried that before. He said, can you try? I said, I can try. I think that's fascinating. I've never tried to be good before. Some people have tried to be good before, but they weren't Christians. They didn't have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so they were just gritting their teeth and trying as hard as they can, and that eventually ends in defeat. But once you receive Jesus in your life, the Bible says you have the Holy Spirit. And that Spirit graces you, as you in your attempts to be good. Friends, there comes a time that you are not a Christian, and then there comes a time when you receive Jesus. 
How do you give your witness? How do you give your testimony? It's really, that, it's really not that complicated. Don't freak out about it. There's a time before Christ. And there's a time that you received Jesus. And you see, still see how fresh it was in Kay's heart because she couldn't tell the story about seeing him in the baptistry without her voice breaking. It's how fresh it still was. As he stood in the baptistry and made public profession, public profession of what has happened to him. I, I assume the, the guy led him to Jesus somewhere, but he came into the community of believers. He came into the gathering and make public profession of that in baptism like we're going to do on the last Sunday of this month. And some of you need to follow Phil's example as Phil followed the example of Jesus. You know you're a believer. You know you're following Jesus, but you've never really come out of the closet. And you need to make public profession of that. And we have an opportunity for you to do that. I've had several people text me this week, and they want to do that. So there's a time before Christ. There's, there's, there's a time that I accepted Christ, and, and all that's different for all of you. But it's part of your testimony. And, and, and after that, there's a time after Christ. Before accepted Christ, the difference that Jesus has made in my life. Before Christ accepted Christ, the difference that Jesus has made in my life. That's it. That's as simple as it can be. Before Christ accepted Christ, the difference that Jesus has made in my life. That's as easy as it is. Don't make it any hard. Don't let anyone else make it any harder than that. Simple. Before Christ accepted Christ, the difference that Jesus has made in my life. Because no one who truly comes to Jesus, who truly repents, leaves the same way they came. The Bible does not understand that type of Christian. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And that doesn't mean the old goes like the next day. Some things may go the next day. But some of you know that it's a process as you walk with Jesus and as his disciple that old habits start falling off. And can I say with the grace that's in my heart, if there is not a testimony on the difference that Jesus had made in your life, may I ask you, are you a Christian? The Bible says by their fruits you will know them. Let's hear about the difference that Jesus made in Phil's life. See, you got rednecks, then you have river rats. So I'm reading over in Romans chapter 12, be good to your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, do not return evil for evil. The river rats tend to be far better thieves than your just local rednecks. You be good to them and don't return evil for evil. I was fishing for a living, it's my livelihood. I'm working my tail off they're hungry, feed them. These river rats would, would steal my fish. I'd caught several of them before then. Usually I'd just come up, roar out there, come up with my shotgun and say, the next person who moves dies. They're stealing my fish here, Lord. They're hungry, feed them. 
And you want me to do what? Do not return evil for evil. Well, I have to see if that will work, but it makes no earthly sense, that's for sure. So one day I heard a motor slow down. These guys pull over to my, to my float and I'm watching them through the bushes. So I said, I'm gonna be good to them, but I'm carrying my gun just in case. They're not good to me. And I'm gonna do what the Lord said. I'm gonna be good to them. So I roar up on them and they're getting my net almost up in their boat and they look up and they see this guy coming. That'd be me, wide open. I said, what were you boys doing with that net? And they said, oh, is that what that was? I said, yeah, that'd be a hook net. It belongs to me. I said, here's the good news. I'm going to raise the net, and whatever's in there, I'm going to give them to you. And when I said that, they looked at each other, and they said, they left me looking back. And all of a sudden, up and down the river, they quit stealing my fish. I just gave them what they were trying to steal. I took that to mean God was right all along. He didn't just believe in God, he believed God. He took God at his word. That is one of the most radical things in scripture that to love your enemies and don't return evil for evil. There's a change that Jesus brings in your life. It may not be as radical as that change because he needed radical change. But there's a difference. As you scatter, as you give your witness, it's not hard. Don't sweat it. Don't freak out. Don't be afraid. It's just simple. Before, I received Christ, I accepted Christ, I got saved, I got converted, whatever you want to say. Started following, I don't care. And the difference that Jesus has made in my life. As you are an ambassador, as you scatter, there will be a time that God opens the door for you to share your witness. Don't talk to him for 30 minutes. Don't confuse him with a whole lot of stuff. It's simple. A minute here, a minute here, and a minute here. And that's it. God does the rest. God does the rest. You planted the seed. Or you may have watered a seed that someone else planted way back 10 years ago. And then God will give the increase. God will make the harvest. How about it, church? Twofold challenge to me and to you. Our witness, our testimony, before, got saved, difference. Easy. And then, do we understand those three things in our lives, really? Do we really understand those three things? 
Do we understand that there was a time I was lost in utter darkness and Jesus came and rescued me? Do we really understand that? Has there been that time? You may not be like me and say August 29th, 1993, but do you remember? I remember back in September of 1958. Can you remember? And if you can't remember, don't leave here today without making it January 11th, 2015. And then has he made a change? Has he made a change? If he hasn't, are you really in Christ? Doesn't mean you have to live a perfect life. No, no. Doesn't mean your change has to be as drastic as Pastor Mac from an atheist to what he is now. Doesn't mean it has to be that drastic. But there has got to be change. You are thinking different. And behaving differently. That's what it means to be a Christian. Our servers are coming to the communion table. And all of this is because of the cross of Christ. All of this new life and all of this changed life has been one for you. Has been one for you on the cross. The old song says there is power in the blood. What was that power? To save and deliver. The old song, Rock of Ages, what did it talk about in that song? It talked about the double cure. I can be saved, but I can be taken from my sinful life as well. And that all is because of what we remember every Sunday here at Senior. Father, Everyone in this room that is in Christ should have a testimony. Give us all grace to say it in a short, succinct way. Give us strength to witness. Now, Father, I pray for some people who are just church people that have maybe never come to that point of decision. I pray that they would right now come to grips with that. I pray for people that have been in church a long time or think they've been a Christian, but they've never seen any difference in their life. They've never really taken God at his word in a, in a way like Phil talked about with the river rats. I pray they would do that. And I pray that you would give us open doors, open doors to plant a seed, to water a seed, or whatever, and to be able to witness as we scatter as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Help us now during this time of communion. May it not be every Sunday, same old, same old. May it be new and fresh for us. In Jesus' name, amen.